Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and um, we're, a day, we're a day late on our episode this week. Let me, let me just tell you why. I don't really have a good reason. We had a holiday weekend. And honestly, last week, um, a recording, it just it kind of it fell apart a little bit, um, which as they do from time to time. And so I had to figure out, I had to pivot my game plan um, and the schedule. And I remembered my friend, your friend, our friend, Emma Kaler. Uh, she recorded with us a couple years ago, right at the beginning of the pandemic. So we sat down and we talked about who are we going to be on the other side? What, what, it, what are the outcomes going to be when we wake up and this is maybe not completely over, but it's our new normal. What kind of effects is it going to have? And at that point we could only kind of guess at it because none of us, I mean, I think we were still within the slow, the spread phase, you know, where we were just really washing our hands aggressively, hoping that would do the trick. But we talked to her a couple years ago and where she is now, she has a completely not just a better view, it's a completely different view and better in a lot of ways. And what she has learned personally over the past two years, I think can really define where a lot of us are. I think she puts words to the outcome that a lot of us are experiencing and trying to unpack right now. And as you'll hear in the episode, she was the first to say to me, we're going to feel the effects of this pandemic of this year way past when it's over. And I think many of us are starting to feel that and see that now in how we respond to situations, um, how our outlooks have shifted, and maybe not always for the better. But how can we get a better view of what's happened over the past couple years for us personally, um, and for those around us? And that's what Emma's come back around for. She got up early, guys, y'all, we did a Friday morning recording. Um, and she's an hour behind us. She's in Nashville and she, she was up and at it, but I think you'll really value her wisdom and just, Hey, this is what it kind of feels like. Here are some words I didn't know that I needed. I think that's what you'll walk away with today. I hope that's what you walk away with today. Um, so here's my friend, Emma Kaler. Emma, you're back. Hello. You're back. I'm back. You you were with us literally one year ago. I was even thinking when I was um, writing the questions and sending the questions that it has been almost exactly two years, not one year, two years. Yeah. It was April 2020. Um, it was the beginning of the pandemic-ish. When is really the beginning? You know, like how? Truly. Or the end. I'm like ready for the, the finalized end. But, you know, one thing that we did not know when we talked, I remember we were talking like, hey, by the summer, we're set, right? We're like, hey, we just got to get to summertime. And with it, it's going to be a hard I month, Callie. <laughs> we're going to have to be at home for a little bit and then back to it. There was one thing you said, Emma, that I found myself, I mean, truly repeating to people and, and quoting back. You said we're going to be feeling the emotional and psychological effects of this after it's over, like for a long time after we're going to still be unpacking what this time meant. And here we are two years later. And for you, I wonder what has what has changed for you? I mean, has that proven true? I feel like yes and no. Part of me is like one foot still kind of in the pandemic, just based on 
the last two years, how it affected me, kind of this anxiety that I started to experience around it. And then the other foot in Nashville's back to normal. We're going to work. People are going to events and weddings. And so I've had moments where I've seen something or done something and was like, oh, wow, I didn't get to do that for a year and a half. And this makes me really sad. Like I felt like I missed a lot of stuff in that year and a half. So I felt a little bit of that grief starting when I've started to get back into my routine of like, you didn't get to do this. And that was really sad. Like you wish you could have done that, but you couldn't. You know, I was, um, I had to look back at pictures for something. I was trying to find them. And even going back in like picture albums to um, the that time with those photos, it triggered a little bit of something in me of like that anxiety that I didn't know at the time I was feeling, right? Like I didn't realize I, that was building up in me until I look back and I'm like, gosh, we, I mean, and there were good things. There were good parts uh, um, of, of the being at home, but it was, it was the, the, the news line knowing all the, all the pain people were sitting in all the like lack of control we were sitting in. Lack of control. Like, right. You couldn't do anything. And one thing that was weird, the first time I saw, like I was watching television and they stopped wearing masks in the television. Like part of me was relieved that I didn't have to kind of see it in my reprieve and like the funny show I just wanted to watch. But I almost was like, where's your mask? Yep. Like it's just watching TV. So it's it's random stuff that can bring out that. I was so used to operating this way. And now that it's different, I kind of have to recalibrate. I was doing that when the pandemic first started and we would watch something and people were not wearing a mask. And I would be like, what the heck? Where, why are you? What are we doing here? Right. <laughs> have you seen the news? Um, I do remember us also talking about who are we going to be on the other side of this? Right. Like, who is this? shaping us into. And so when you look, you know, like I said, I mean, we, we're still, it's still very much happening, but we have a better grip on it, a better understanding of it. When right. you come against, you know, that tension that we're all kind of unpacking now of what we left behind by these years, you know, like the, the things that changed us, the things that made us different because of it, what practical ways are you navigating that that anxiousness and that uncertainty that I think a lot of us took with us from it and are still carrying? Sure. I would love for my story to be this like, I got into shape and I found the dream and man, like just all these great things. But I really got thrown a curveball in the pandemic. I started experiencing this anxiousness that wasn't just, you know, regular anxiety that would come from being in a pandemic or being in a stressful situation. It was going beyond that. It was that lack of control really starting to kind of impact my thoughts. So my practical thing was starting therapy because for me, I needed that additional help for me to get back to not normal, but back to the something that feels comfortable, feels like I'm going through my day how I would like to. Um, so that was a shift I wasn't expecting. It's something I had to put into place. And just getting back to basics, I am someone who 
really believes if your sleep is messed up, if your eating is messed up, if you're not around people who you love and care about that can be encouragement to you or just be out of your house, out of your little bubble, like getting those back into place were very practical steps that I did to kind of move forward and stay encouraged when so much kind of felt heavy or felt stressful Mm -hmm. still. And that's, I think for me, I never actually looked for practical ways to walk through it. I just was like, let's just put it in a little box in my mind and let's just shove it. And then this restlessness would come back out. Right. Or this, like this anxiousness. Mm -hmm. I remember many nights going to bed with like chest pains of like, it's too much. It's too much. But I was, and then I would be afraid. I was like, Oh my goodness, I have COVID. Like I've got, I've actually got it. And really it was just these, like this response, a physical response to the just anxiety of it. And to have to turn around and look back at that and be like, man, I didn't even try to navigate that. You know, like I just was like, just pretend like it's not happening. Pretend like it's not happening. But it was new. And, and part of your body was like, I'm going to protect you. This feels mm-hmm. too much. Like we can't process all that. And then your physical body was like, yeah, but we're still experiencing it. So we got to have a connector. At some it's still point. here. So I'm going to make you think you're having a heart attack right before bed. It's great the worst thing like in this pandemic when some of your symptoms start to mimic the thing that's stressing you out you're like it can't be a different symptom like it can't be my elbow hurts really bad like I'm anything else just now to the point where like when someone coughs I'm not like triggered you know what I'm saying I'm not like same like I can be beside people now and cough and think yeah, hey they're a okay. person you know other things <laughs> make you cough besides COVID <laughs> As you look at this season, you know, if you could summarize coming out of these two years into a new season that you walked into within those two years, what has God taught you as you've navigated it? Like, what are some things that you're holding on to and carrying on into what's next? One of the things just in the last several months that has been really encouraging to me in a weird way is reflecting back on Paul when he was talking about the thorn in his side. I had always thought of that as this kind of momentary affliction, this challenge or this trial he needed to overcome. And once he learned the pretty lesson that was in it, the Lord was going to take it away and it was going to be this great day. And after two years of things continuing and my anxiety still being there and having prayed like Paul prayed for it to go away and it didn't. It hit me that maybe Paul had had this storm for such a long time and that it might have been years and maybe it was something he would have until he met Jesus again. And it reminded me, I still have to show up and be a Christian and live out my faith Mm. with anxiety. Like the thorn might never go away. It might be something I deal with forever. It may not be. But if it is... I can't keep waiting for me to not feel anxious to do the things the Lord is calling me to do. And I think we do, we wait for an end date, right? Or we think um, we can make a decision or we can um, navigate it. Like I, I think I thought, you know, made hard decision in the fall of last year and I thought I'd be set. Like I'm good to go. Like I've got, you know, I've, I've made the decision. I feel settled on it. 
And so I was like, God, this is going to be easy from here on out, right? Like you've got, you've got me. I did what you asked. Now you do what I ask. Like this is a give and take. <laughs> we we do, love a right? give and take. And so I was like, we're good to go, right? And and to still come up against it, and but to know that that is a life of following Jesus is a life of discomfort. Like if, you know, my friend Brooke said a few weeks ago, she said, if you're comfortable, chances are good that you're not fully in pursuit and obedience to God's will. If you're just sitting back comfortably every day with, with no sense of discomfort in it. Um, And so for you to say the thorn in the side, I think about Paul a lot and how badly he wanted to know what it was or like how to remove it, how to take it away and how, how much he begged. And knowing God the way I know him and the way that he keeps his promises, there's a reason he didn't take it away. And the same is true for us. Like there is a reason this is in your life, this discomfort. And so instead of making your life about ridding yourself of the discomfort, why not look at, okay, what am, what am I getting propelled toward because of this discomfort? Like how is this shaping my life instead of how can I get rid of it? A hundred percent. Well, and part of it, the biggest part I've learned in, the past couple of years is how impactful mm. shame is because I think at first I was like, Oh, this is a me issue and I need to figure this out so that I can get back to those God issues that feel, you know, big or strong. And, and it, the thorn just made me realize like, God knows you're going to be weak. God knows you're going to be sad or angry or discouraged or tired or whatever the season is where you feel like you can't fully show up. And that's the whole point of like, I'm going to be your strength and like truly be your strength, not your fake strength when you're feeling strong already, but you're going to give it to God. Like actually, when you don't think you have the energy to say yes to what he's asking you to do, he's going to call you to trust that he can carry you the next step. You know, and even within that, carrying that lesson in a season, uh, the pandemic came around a huge transition point for you too, I think, Emma, right? Like, I mean, it hadn't been you hadn't been moved to a new city to Nashville for very long when it happened yeah like six months or something you you had made this big decision you had made a big move and here you are in Nashville and then getting to know a new city and then this happens and you can't really go anywhere and now that you can kind of head out again over the past like year or so and kind of get more comfortable in navigating your city how are you challenging yourself to just go and try because I think we all had this sense of we all became homebodies a little bit of like you said it earlier right. in the conversation. Here's my bubble. This is fine. Like here's this is the safe. We're gonna kind of shrink, and then this is gonna be where yeah, we kind of land. And I think for you specifically in the season of life that you're in, you know, like you're in a city that your family doesn't necessarily live in that city, right? And I mean, you you moved from Knoxville, where like your ba- your home base was for so long. And here you are in Nashville, single, working, like doing the thing. How do you make yourself go try, Emma? Because if it was me, I truly think I would just be like, nah, this is not, like, that's a lot of work. (laughs) I'm going to take the L. It's just not going to. Well, and I really did not set myself up for success. And I did. I left my church. I left my best friends. I left the city I was in for a decade. Luckily, I do. I have family close by, so they're not in Nashville, but they're within like 30, 40 minutes. But I will say part of it was allowing myself a minute to not go explore, figure out what I was feeling, figure out what was going on. And then at the end of 21, I was like, this ain't it. 
and it, it tied into a bigger purpose for me. So what motivated me and what encouraged me to start getting back out there, building that community was because I knew how much I needed it because the Lord had shown me this whole last year, Hey, there's not actual peace in this. There's not actual safety in this. There's not actual life here. It might be physically safe in your apartment, but spiritually it's not giving you community. It's not giving you the things I'm asking you to do. And unfortunately, I'm an externally motivated person. Like, I wish I could say I just really felt internal motivation to go. But I have to have like a list or a goal or just something else that's going to give me some affirmation as I succeed, honestly. And so I made a, this like 365 adventure challenge so that every day this year I'm thinking of something that is fun or outside my comfort zone, big or small to do so that I keep moving. I got so stuck and I was like, I need something that's just going to help me keep moving, even if it's the smallest stuff. I didn't know how long it took you to come up with 365 things. Like that is so many. <laughs> Callie, first draft, I got to like 37. And I was like, this is how type A and non-adventurous you are, that your adventurous list was 37. There's just 37 things I want to do. That's it. That's it. Truly. And I was like, wow, how expansive. And so I did. I had to text people. I'm like, hey, what do you guys do for fun? What are some hobbies? What are some ideas? But, and I gave myself grace that, like, try a new restaurant is on there a couple That's times. Fair. And we're going to a couple coffee shops, okay? We're doing a couple city tours. That's really, I mean, when you said 365, I was like, my gosh, Emma, like that is a, that is a project. I mean, that would take me forever. But I knew if I was like, oh, once a week, yeah. I wouldn't do it. And so I realistically was aware you're not going to do 365, but I wanted to do more than last year. And even now, like three and a half months in, I just look back sometimes just so happy and so proud of like, I've done more in the last three and a half months outside of my comfort zone that would have scared me last year, that would have really discouraged me in a fourth of the time. So even if I don't do another adventure, I'm still miles ahead of where I was. And that was kind of the whole point of it. And that requires so much self-awareness of where you're at and what you will feasibly actually do. I think a lot of times we set these goals and have these ideas and it's completely mm -hmm. without understanding and knowing ourselves of like, you're not actually going to do that. Like not on any planet. This isn't just stretching you. This is literally something you would never do, you know? Um, really? Well, and, and some of my adventures are watch a movie that you've never seen. Cause I knew, and that's the thing, the last two years have really allowed me to, Instead of being like frustrated if something about me is not what I was hoping, like if I wasn't as brave or if I wasn't as kind of courageous, instead of being frustrated with that, I'm so much more like, all right, well, if this is what it is, how do I show up the best way here? Just like with the thorn. If this is the thing in my life, it's not what I asked for. It's not what I planned. It's not what I wanted. But instead of being embarrassed by that or frustrated by that, let me use all that energy to show up the best way with the thorn and taking the shame out of it. Because it's not shameful to watch a movie out of a genre you've never kind of seen before because that is fun. And it's not the biggest leap. But again, it's a leap you weren't taking last year. I, I love your connection to shame, Emma, and the 
if I can say something that no one told me truly is the power of shame in my life, like internally, the parts of it that no one will ever know, no one will ever see mm-hmm. or understand, but that are so real and so defining to what I will choose to do or not do. Um, it is, it is huge. It, it play, it can play a huge role in your life. If you're not aware again, back to the self-awareness that it's always trying to, and it's one of the enemy's greatest tools. I truly believe, I truly believe shame is, is one of the most used because it's mm-hmm. silent and it makes you think, all right, you don't need to tell anyone about that because they're for sure not experiencing it. And what I love about your podcast is breaking down that kind of barrier of like, no, we've all been through stuff and we all had fails. We all had flops. We all have worries and insecurities. And just hearing someone else say, I was anxious then helps you get language for what you're experiencing. Or I was scared then, or I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do what God was asking me to do. Starts to take away all of the devil's strength there. And then you think, all right, maybe this isn't a bad, I'm going to go do it. Like shame, when you get rid of it, it leads you so much closer to doing what the devil doesn't want you to do. That was, I've never, um, I've never thought of it that way, but putting words to what you don't know how to put words to. And that's really, there are those seasons that you're like, I don't even know how to describe this, but it is, it's kind of miserable, but also like no one else seems miserable. So maybe I just won't talk about it and I just won't tell you about it. And then you kind of (laughs) just sit in it by yourself. But in, in those seasons, Emma, like when you are, you know, you have that thorn in your side or there's just like, like a circumstance you did not see coming a hard, a hard season that you're just like, I want to find a way out of it. Or you think it's optional. Like I can just opt out of this, you know, like I can just back out. I can quit that. I can start that. I can, you are, your motivation is only to get out. Right. How do mm-hmm. we, how do we, change our mindset like I know that I mean you even mentioned this before we started recording that this is this is so real like you think you can get around these challenges and God's like no you're gonna go through them you're gonna walk through them what does that look like for you what do we why do we think we can work our way around it for me a lot of it is just fear and not wanting to do some of it I just don't want to do what God has asked me to do because it's selfless or it's intimidating or you don't feel equipped for it and I have learned I think time has been my best teacher and going through enough situations where one the Lord was in the scary thing and it turned out awesome and two God wasn't in that thing that I was avoiding him and trying not to have him in and it was miserable and so I think remembering all the times that it worked out well And just the peace I didn't feel like, oh, I'm going to tell God, hey, I don't want to do that because he doesn't realize it's not going to be best for me. Or I'm going to ignore it until he gives me the the steps that I want to take that I think are going to be great. If I know anything about God, he is so much smarter and he's never wrong. So if he's telling you, hey, I'm calling you to this, I'm going to protect you, it's going to bring peace, Mm. it will. And if he's telling you, hey, running from me or trying to do it in your own strength will fail every time, it does. You know, I think about, and I've said this before, I think, um, I I never, it all goes together, whether it was a conversation or a podcast, but all the things that I was scared of on one side, almost none of them happened on the other side. 
So like all the things I was scared of and all the, the challenge brought this fear out of me and I could list all my fears. And, and, and that was something I always did when something big is happening. I list what I'm afraid of and then I answer it with truth, right? Like I find scripture and I answer it all with truth and I memorize those so that it is something that I just do automatically when the fear comes. But when I look back Mm -hmm. now in hindsight, none of the fears happened. Like none of the things I was so scared of actually happened. And that's, I mean, one of my greatest prayers were like, God, I need your protection because there's going to be things that maybe I don't even know about. And I'm scared of those things too. Right. Like I'm scared of what I don't know is happening. Um, but, but sure. the way that he removed that fear. And then when I played out seeing, okay, none of that's real. None of it was even real. And so as you've faced these things head on, you know, we want to go around them, but then we're like, now we got to go through them. Instead yeah. of just finding a way around them, what have you learned about just being like, all right, we're going in. So I've done a lot of trying to go around. Oh, but I think for me, it really just hit me again, this whole year of feeling like time was wasted or I was stuck or I just didn't show up with Jonah when he was fit out of the well because he was running, he still had to go to Nineveh. Like he still had to do the exact thing that God had asked him to do. And I think that rebellion taught me it doesn't change the call and it doesn't get you closer. It doesn't do eight steps for you. So you don't have to, it is always the detour. So instead of spending all my time being like, all right, let me avoid God. Let me remind him that I'm struggling here and I don't need another call. Let me, you know, act like I didn't hear it. Instead of using all that energy, figure out, all right, what part of this scares me? What part of me is not trusting you? And what do I need to put into place to say yes? Let me spend my energy finding the friend who will do it with me. Let me put my energy in finding the scripture that's going to remind me about who God is, because that's what's happening at that moment. It's not that this is too scary. It's not that this is too much. It's that I don't trust the Lord enough. And I'm wanting to depend in my own strength. So I'm recognizing that sooner and saying, all right, my strength never works. That plan has never worked before. It's not going to work tomorrow. God's plan has always worked. So I'm scared of that. I'm terrified of that. I don't want to do it. God put things in place that are still going to help me move. That was so good. Emma, that was and in the Jonah part. The fact that he literally got went back to where he started, like the very thing that he thought he was going to get away from he, it's a starting point again. I mean, it's not, he went through all of it and God's God's still like, like, you still have to do what I asked you to do. You still got to do this. Um, and, and the, the energy piece, Emma, of like the energy we spend in misery, like the energy we spend of like, I got to get around this. I can't do this. Or, um, you know, like sad or angry or bitter because we don't want, we don't know how, or we don't want to figure out how to go through and walk through what God's asking of us. And for you to, to flip that and say, what would it look like to spend that energy on a yes? Like on finding, equipping myself to do this, the thing that I'm so scared of, what would it look like to spend that energy on figuring out how to do it? Um, the best way. That's so good. That's so good, Eva. I literally, you're talking and I'm like, well, that's my quote right there. I'm pulling that out. I'm going <laughs> to. The Lord, but the Lord, he's like, well, and I think I really did. I experienced this sadness of not 
being in God's will and not feeling really close to him that I was like, that's not like, it's not worth it. Like this uneasiness, I've already had too much uneasiness with this pandemic. I need the peace. I need to, I need to be in tune. That uneasiness and that like distance from his will and distance from him is never from him. Like it's never given to us from him. You know, I had a, someone in high school tell me like, it's not God moving away from us. That is never the case. It is never him like putting distance right. between he and us because he's annoyed or frustrated with us. It is always us that are moving away. Um, and I, but it's love. It's, it's him saying, I love you too much to let this place away from me mm-hmm. feel safe. Like mm-hmm. I, I will not allow your rebellion to feel closer and kinder and more peaceful than being with me. He just won't oh, do. That's so good. Okay, you look back over the last couple of years. What's one thing you wish someone would have told you? What is something that you're now, in hindsight, you're carrying with you forward? You actually said this to me when we started chatting this morning. I don't know if we were recording yet, but you said I'm so proud of you. And after the last two years of everyone tried their best to show up, to navigate 70,000 unknowns, make 100,000 decisions every day and and just get through. And like you mentioned earlier, all those kind of internal battles that no one will ever know about. No one will ever know all of the things that we personally have gone through in the last two years. And to hear someone say, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for showing up. I'm proud of you for getting out of bed. I'm proud of you for doing your best because you're human and you have gone through a lot. And I started to say that to myself in that anxiety period, because no one was going to know that a lot of that was happening. I had to say that. And when I started to say, Emma, I'm proud of you. You just did three things that were just really intense or scary for you. And you're showing up here like kudos to you. And I started to say that to other people and saw such a, an exhale and such a, oh my gosh, like I felt like I've been not doing great for mm. two years. And to hear someone say my best is good enough and even more than that, that that really, I think, could shift how we move forward to just tell people, hey, how you're showing up, like way to go. And that I just, I've tracked you, obviously, the there are upsides to social media. And one of them is your friends who do not live with around you anymore, seeing what they're doing and watching you since January. Be like, I'm going to try, I'm going to show up and I'm going to go, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to try this. And I'm going to see how this goes. And they weren't all successes. That's my favorite part. It's like, no, there are some <laughs> that like, some days you're like, hey, this didn't work out. This was a huge fail right here. But Yep. It didn't make you stop try getting up and trying again the next day. It didn't like you didn't give up because we do. We have this instinct of like one thing goes wrong. We're like better stop now before anything else goes wrong. And our pride or our our fear is like better not do anything then because I don't want to have to answer for this or I don't want to. It's like we feel like we owe everyone an explanation. Like we owe everyone an explanation. No, it is. It is. <laughs> and we don't. We don't owe, I mean, we owe the Lord. We gotta, we gotta check in with the big man, but but we don't. And even if like, I don't know who said this, it probably is someone really famous that I should know, but someone said like fail forward. And that has just been something of like, you're gonna fail. So let's, let's get that out of our mind that we're never going to fail. 
But when you do realize like, Hey, I'm going to fall forward. I'm going to keep moving. And if it's one step back, it's still 10 steps ahead of where I was starting from. It's so good. Okay. We end every episode with one question, Emma. What is one thing you're so happy someone did tell you about? Kelly, I'm about to give you conversational whiplash <laughs> because I am diverting this so far. In this a is why I love this question because it literally could go anywhere. Like you're going to be like, this is what you chose. There has been something I learned three years ago. We were at a friend's like birthday party, I think. And we were trying to figure out who had the best life hack. And one of our friends said, if you're tired of having deodorant stains on your shirt after you put your shirt on, flip the bottom half up before you put the shirt on and then roll it back down. So any chance of you scraping your underarm is now on the inside of your shirt. Kelly, I haven't had a deodorant stain on my shirt in three years. I use it every, I did it this morning. Like this morning, I rolled up the bottom half of my shirt and then put it on and then rolled it back down. It's truly something I use every day. And I really was thankful that she told me that. I literally was sitting here watching you because you're wearing a black shirt. And I was like, she thought of this this morning. She was like, this is it. No, no. You also can just change the order in which you do things and put your shirt on first and then put your deodorant on. Okay. Maybe normal people can, but I've been in situations where I've gone to like lift up my shirt and put the deodorant underneath and still got it on the front of my shirt. What is it about deodorant? You are done. If it is on your shirt, you can try to, you can try to wipe it off. You're done. It's not happening. I even have tried like the dryer sheet hack that they say. I can't figure it out. So now I just put my shirt on really weird in the morning, but it saves the day. Guess who doesn't have any stains on it? This girl. Won't find me with the deodorant stain. (laughs) Emma, you're changing lives out there in more ways than one, you know? (laughs) I'm trying to do the Lord's work is what's happening. Emma, you are, we have an early morning recording. You got up early because you're an hour behind me. And I'm just so grateful that you are jumping in and that you're so ready to share, um, what the work that God's doing in your life and through you. And I so just want that to be an encouragement to others that you don't have to have a microphone in front of you to do this. Like there are people who are walking through seasons like you and they just want you to say, Hey, I see you in this season and, and I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to let's, let's talk about what it looks like. Let me tell you what I walked through too. Like there's so many opportunities and you are one person who is so good about doing that. Um, and and see I love it. other people so I just want that to be an encouragement to listeners like hey you can do this anytime you don't have to be you don't have to be on a podcast to do this 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 is what people are hungry for so go out and do those things so thank you for doing that with us this morning Emma you're the best there is thank you for having me it's so good to catch up